answers to the questions, so don't, don't, don't whisper to Maddie any of them, all right? All right, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. How's that? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a warm church. I pray for all the other events that's going on with Awana tonight, with the kids learning verses and games and council times, just that you would be glorified in all that's done tonight. And we uh, just want to praise you. Thank you for each one that's here. And Lord, help me to um, just present the material that I've studied and just that we'd have good conversation this evening, Lord, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a topic that I did a number of years ago, actually, but I kind of, we had short notice. I pulled it out and reviewed it and tailored it a little bit more tonight, but it's going to require some conversation, so I hope that you're ready to converse with me tonight. It's going to be a little bit more like a Sunday school class than a normal Wednesday night, so bear with me. Does everyone know what, what we would call a gray area in the Christian life is? Anyone that doesn't know what that means? You know what it means, don't you? Everyone does. Okay, so we'll go over that. We know the black and white areas. You know, I don't think, as, as an elder, I don't think there's too many people that come up and say, hey, I'm, is, is it right for me to, uh, to lie? Can I, can I lie? Can I cheat? Can I steal? We know those answers, right? We can direct them right to a verse and say, no, you can't do that. You're, you shouldn't. Well, those gray areas are those things that we sometimes struggle with. And... I was thinking there's even some things here in gray areas. So I'm going to ask the people that's going to say over 40 years old, because I think there's a little bit of a difference even in terms of some of the gray areas that we experience today versus maybe when we were growing up. So for us over 40, and I would direct my attention to a few people, give me some examples of gray areas that we dealt with maybe when we were teenagers or early 20s. Anyone? Just Christian life. Just think about those gray areas as you were growing up, and you, I don't think you were a Christian, right, up till twenty. Yeah. So pretend that you were a Christian at that time. What would have been some of the issues? <laughs> but I was thinking. I don't know, Dale. I don't know how if you think of anything. I'll put you on the spot. Can you think of anything when you were growing up? Some of the gray areas of life, maybe that didn't have. Biblical things that you could write, say, a verse? I'll mention one, perhaps, because I was married to a girl from the South. Yeah. Okay, and they have the, the blue laws uh, in the South, in which uh, you know, liquor stores were closed. Oh, sure. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't go to a pool hall or watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking just some things like, when I was growing up going to church, what were some of those things that you always asked about? it? Well, it was like, how long can you have your hair? That was kind of a gray area, right? What kind of music did you listen to? We still have some of those things today. I get that, right? Um, at, at the time when I was growing up, Christian music wasn't necessarily real popular yet. We had some groups like Second Chapter of Acts and, and some others that were considered radical at the time. So even as youth groups, it's, it's like, can we go to those or can't we go? They raise their hands sometimes. Is that, I mean, you know, there's things like that that we dealt with in the church, right? So I just say that some of those. Did you have something? You were just clearing your throat. Dancing. Dancing, yes. Dancing, drinking, some of those things always come up, right? 
Now I think fast forward to today. Now I'm looking at the under 40s for some, some answers. What are some challenges that you would say the gray areas of life that, that we see today that maybe you all see? And I think of a couple offhand. What's that? I won't. Anyone, anyone? Choices. Yep. Yep. How about social media? Anyone see that one as a? Because I was looking at this and I kept thinking, you know, I don't always think that we put put like what we post, what we see, and those things kind of in that context voice. But I think these apply. So challenge me tonight. See what you think on this too, on just certain things like that. So let's let's get into it a little bit. At least you kind of have the preface of where we're going. And I think if you think, as we go through these, there's seven questions that, that are out here, and then there's some references. And like I said, I'm not going to give you exact verses that says, thou shalt not do this. These things typically don't. But what we're going to look at is those things that are principles and guidance for us. Okay? So let me read the questions to you, and then we'll, we'll go back and, and search the scriptures to provide some support. First question. Will it benefit me spiritually? That's kind of what, what I would call an edification statement. Will it, will it benefit me spiritually? Or is it going to cause me to, to sin, really? Second one, will it bring bondage to me? Can I be entrapped by it? Will it ensnare me? That's the enslavement thought. Third question, will it defile God's temple? It's another good one, isn't it? That's kind of the exposure side of things. Will it cause anyone else to stumble? So now it's not just me. I'm looking at saying, what about people around me? Will it cause Margie to stumble? Will it cause John to stumble if I do this? Will it further the cause of evangelism? That's a good one. We oftentimes don't think about our choices in light of my testimony. And I always think we are disciples of the Lord. What is a disciple? It's a follower of somebody. It's a follower of Christ. And as a follower of Christ, we want to do, act, and be like Christ, right? That's kind of the principle. And will my life choices, what I say, what I do, my actions, it'll either bring honor or dishonor. So, and in the case of evangelism, I think sometimes it's good for us to think about those things. Will it violate my conscience? That's kind of an ethics statement. And finally, will it bring glory to God? And that's the exaltation. So, with that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10.23. And can I have somebody read that verse for me? And like I said, tonight, I'm not going to go through and exegete every single verse that we cover uh, in great detail. I want to use it as a principle. I'll try to give some guidelines around what's the context of it. But we'll, we'll try to apply it into our lives then. So, 1 Corinthians 10.23. You have that? Yeah, just the one verse for now. <clears throat> That's right, but not all things edify is what I have. And I think of that word edify, not all things build up. That's kind of what edification means. Is it going to build me up? Is it going to help me in the end? So all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. The context of this was that the Gentiles were offering sacrifices to idols. And 
it was said that they were offering to demons and not to God. So the Jews should not have fellowship with that. They shouldn't be doing this stuff. If you look back in the verses prior. And in this case, the Jews did not have anything in common with the Gentiles and were told that it was wrong. And I think, you know, the principle around this is that God tolerates no competition. It's kind of the thought here. So he's a jealous God. As we keep, we're not going to read through this right now, but in the in question five and six, we'll come back to this section and follow up on some verses behind it. But he's going to talk about, um, uh, verse 23, I guess, is really that edification. They don't edify, they don't build them up. There's some over, the next verses in verse 24 is to think about others over self. Uh, 25 through 27 is liberty over legalism. And then uh, 28 through 30 is condensation over condemnation. But you get the idea, don't you? It's, it's all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but all things edify. So if you're in a situation, you might just think, is this going to edify me? Or my actions, is my situation that I'm in. If I do this, will it edify? It's, it's a thought. Now, if you go by and say, hmm, I'm not sure if it will or not, let me jump down to the next question. Will it bring bondage, enslavement? So now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 12. And if somebody has that, go ahead and read it. good. So again, it's, it's, it can be applied to the previous question as well, right? Not all things are helpful. In this case, it will not, uh, but will not be brought under the power of any. What, is, what things can you think of that could be bondage, that could be an enslavement, that you said, if I wanted to do this, this, is, this, is, this could bring bondage? Think of anything? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, I think that's right. An all-you-can-eat buffet, right? That's it. I saw it. I'm just kidding on that. But it could. I mean, theoretically, it could, really. Um, I saw there was a picture, an article the other day that said this, this girl was excited to go. Her and her friend went to an all-you-can-eat sushi bar. And she ate 39 sushi. And after that, she was not feeling well. <laughs> Well, they had to go to the hospital. Well, maybe if they would have asked this question, will it bring me under bondage? Maybe that would have been helpful. But uh, 39 sushi with raw fish probably doesn't go the best. But what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there's some truth to it, and I think that's, that's the key thing. Um, in the context here, and let me just read, I'll read the... Let's see, verses 9 through 12 before that. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I will say one of the differences today, and, and you know, this has kind of a context of, of the sexual side of things, but I will say that today those entrapments are much easier than 30 years ago. 30 years ago, if you wanted pornography, you'd have to go down to the porn shop, buy the Playboys, and do those things, and you physically had to do something. Today, all you have to do is click around and accidentally click and go into some place that you shouldn't. And so I think, you know, that enticement factor, it's real. And anyone who says it's not is, is a fool. <laughs> I'll just say that, right? And I think for all of us, it's to beware. Yep. Yeah. It can. Right. Nope, you're exactly right. 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 Have to be intentional, yeah. Right. That's right. Totally agree. Let me just read the verses prior because I like these. In verse 9 there of that same chapter, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what the verse I like. And such were some of you. As Christians, and such were some of you. And that's an important statement because I think sometimes we forget that. And we can easily fall back into that. And it says, but here's the good news. You were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I think those are key words. You know, you were that, but you're not anymore. And I think that when you look at situations that come up and people that kind of like to dwell in the, you know, in their old sin and kind of, you know, try to think back on it and use an excuse sometimes... I've heard you say that, Vince. Why do I want to go back and look at my old garbage? Put it behind. We've been saved. We've been cleansed by the blood. Have a forward-looking focus and be turning your thoughts and your actions on things that are more pleasing to the Lord, that are going to be helpful to you. I, I did get a kick out of one thing I saw, and i got to just read this. i got I got to pull my phone up. I don't have to reference it too much. How many of you like Clint Eastwood? You like him? Okay. This is, he's 91 years old, so there's just a little interaction here. And, and the person says, how old are you, Clint? And Clint says, I turned 91 on Monday. So what are you going to do? And Clint says, I'm going to start a new movie. The other person says, well, what keeps you going, Clint? And he said, I get up every day and don't let the old man in. Ah, did you catch that? <laughs> that some were. Right? It's the old man, we call it, right? Now, Clint isn't talking about Christianity in that light. He's saying, I'm not letting that old man who's 91 in. I want to apply that one to our lives. Think about that. If Clint can say, I'm not going to let the old man in. When we wake up in the morning, 
just get the thoughts that says, I'm not letting the old man in. My old sin nature. It's not coming today. Put a focus on Christ and some things. Be thankful for things. Be praying for somebody. If somebody comes up in your mind, pray for them. Those are practical things that I think we can, we can go with. So I never thought I'd bring Clint Eastwood into the perspective here, but it was there and I thought it fit with what we were doing. Okay. But now he's saying, although all things are lawful, it doesn't mean you should do them. You should not take advantage of grace and do whatever you want, right? We do have liberties, but don't take it as a reason to sin. You can thank God, you can ask for forgiveness, but don't keep going back and over and over and over with the idea that I'm going to go out and please myself. Sin does have power, and we don't have a license to sin. Um, I think that's all I want to say on that one. I'll go into the next question. There's always a lot more to cover, but I think we have about what? We usually stop around 20 after? About there? Okay. Number three, will it defile God's temple? Um, let's, let's see, are we still in 1 Corinthians 6? Somebody read verses 19 through 20. Who has that? you have that, John? So what do you think some of those verses are telling us? Give me some more input on this. Tell me some of the things that you see out of this verse. What do you recognize? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Let's start with that phrase. What's the key thought? <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the thought is, as a Christian, it's not just ours, right? We have the Holy Spirit that is helping us. It's living in, in ourselves, right? We have the Holy Spirit to help us. Um, whom you have from God. God gave us that. When Christ left the earth, he says, I'm going to give you a helper, right? And it's, it's the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit does what? Convicts us. He helps us to even, you know, pray. A number of things that the Holy Spirit does. He helps us discern. So I think as we think about even those things of the, the gray areas, who do you think is going to help guide you? Is it just my own smarts that's going to say, well, I shouldn't really do this. You ever get that prompting that says, mm, I don't think I should do this. Well, that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants what's best for us. He wants holiness in our lives. Yes. Something is not right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I I know for me when I get tired and I get lazy, that's when I'm more tempted on certain things. I don't know if anyone else has that experience, but you get lazy, and you say, ah, you just forget about that. You just want to veg, and to me, that's where you have to kind of watch out. Um, because that's where temptation comes in, a lot of other things in life. Um, but the good news is we were bought at a price. And I think that's where the positive side of things is. What can we do when we start thinking and let our mind go? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
So the fact is, our body is the Lord's. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and we need to, to treat it, treat it so. We're not to live selfishly and independent from God. The Holy Spirit is a constant reminder for us. We are the Lord's. And when we commit sin, we're not being holy before God, but causing corruption. Um, Again, verse 20 adds that reminder of how precious life is. Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. And we are always to glorify God in our body. Whatever we are doing, we are all gods and need to show thankfulness and glorify God in all that we do. Um, Let's look at Romans now. We'll go to Romans 6.13. Whoever gets there first can read that one. It's a sword drill. John, you got it again? Good. Yeah. Very good. And do not present. It means it's really got dealing with the will, right? The will. The will is pretty strong in my life, isn't it? I mean, I have a will. I desire certain things. But do not present your members. Do not have that will that's, that's looking towards the unrighteousness to sin. But what are we to do? Present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Again, not the old man, but the new man. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And uh, those instruments of unrighteousness, uh, let's see here. Oh, that was a different thought, so I'm going to stop there. Does that all make sense there? Any comments on, the, on that section? ever been sitting even in church setting or something and something that you saw 30 years ago pops up and you go where did that come from i didn't i mean i filed that way away but our minds will do certain things like that and get us to wonder and it is a challenge okay so will it defile god's temple uh let's go look at the next one will it cause anyone to stumble well, now we're starting to get into one another's a little bit because it's not just about me, right? It's about you. It's about non-Christians. It's what is the impact to others. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians. This time we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 8. And let's read through verses 8 through 9. Actually, let's just go verses 8 through 13. I had 8 through 9 and 12 through 13, but ah, we'll throw in a couple of verses in good measure there. So 1 Corinthians 8, start at verse 8 and read through 13. Yes. So 
very good. So let me just give you the background. This food itself does not draw us any closer to God, right, if we eat or if we do not eat it. Again, the issue was meat offered to idols, almost similar to the chapter 6 that we looked at before. That was a, excuse me, big deal back then. Food is a neutral item. The real issue is that some Christians could fall back into their old ways by eating meat that had been offered to idols. Um, Let's see, verses 12 and 13 carries on the thought, you would not only sin against your brother in doing so, but you were also sinning against God. This deals with brotherly love. Uh, We should not seek our own goodwill, but that of others. We need to be governed by love, and hopefully the weaker brother could, could be taught to enjoy his freedoms and not be shackled as a result of not maturing. So give me some examples on this one that you think of in today's world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking yeah, pack. I, I that, saying, uh, we we provide a lettuce salad. salad <laughs> how's that? Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of different things there that you have to look at, and um, you know, one is are they offended by us eating meat or not? You know, that's one thing. If they're not offended, fine. You can be a vegan. I can like beef or hate pork or something. You know, and have a have a, a conscience on that. Um, I think there's certain allowances. And then I think the other piece to it is, are they really a weaker brother or not? Sometimes I think we use that in context of just, it's my desire that says, um, I'm offended. Well, are you saying you're a weaker brother? Or are you saying that you just don't like what I did? I think there's some conscious things that you have to look at there, too. I don't know. I'd like to know your thoughts. Yep. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we use this sometimes in a, in a little bit out of context, like what you're referring to. But I think, you know, at this time, there was kind of that idea of do you eat meat that's been offered to, to idols or not? I think this is the one, if not here, that some of the verses. And I think that they said, look, if you're over there and let's just pretend a non Christian has, has invited you and you don't really know that he picked this meat up from being offered to an idol. It says just eat it. You have a clear, I guess it's probably going to be in with our clear conscience when the next question, it's okay to eat it. But now if somebody comes to you and says, hey, did you know that's offered an idol? You shouldn't be doing that. 
Well, you may change your mind then and say, you know what, if it's going to bother you in that context because of that time and the setting, you may say, you know what, out of respect for you, I'm going to just eat my carrot sticks or whatever, <laughs> you know, something like that. So we, I don't think we see that as much, but I do think things like, um, it's, it's always challenging, like drinking, for instance. It's one thing to say I, can, I have freedom to have a drink, right? I personally would not be posting it on Facebook and, and you know, touting myself. I'm just saying that's an example. Because that could, that could deter my testimony, and it could cause somebody else to stumble. Now, do you have the freedom to do so? Absolutely you do. I think we could probably say, you know, don't let it, what do we say on the other question? Will it bring me under bondage? Um, and if it doesn't, then you have the freedoms. So, I mean, that's another relevant question, you know, point that I think I've heard before. What are some other ones that you think of in this slide? We don't run into this as much. I think we've got to be very careful, though, even in certain things of, of current topics, taking stands on certain things. It really, you know, does it help or hurt our, our, our stand? In my... What's that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and a couple of these questions here, I think, kind of go together. Will it cause anyone to stumble? Will it further the cause of evangelism is the next one. So I think sometimes we ought to be careful that when my testimony, not my testimony, when my thoughts are so rigid towards maybe a worldview, I'll, I'll just say Democrat versus Republican to avoid it, you know, dealing with certain things. I guess I'll throw it out there. Vaccinations or non-vaccinations, right? Something like that. Uh, do I do this or do I do that? There's a lot of, I think you mentioned homeschooling, public schools. A lot of things that can cause people to diverge their thoughts and have such a strong stand that are they alienating themselves? Or are they encouraging one another to say, you know what, this isn't a right or wrong answer here, but... I respect what you have, and, and you respect me. We're not going to get into it. We have freedoms, right? It's when we take those freedoms and those liberties and turn them into a legalistic rule for others is where we get in trouble. Does that make sense? That's good. Right. Right. That's right. So, you know, I'm not here tonight to say, I believe in this way or this way or this way, and you should too. Um, I'm saying you have liberties to make choices. There are gray areas. I wrote down, it wasn't in my original notes, but Philippians 2, 12 through 13. I'm going to turn to there because I think it's, uh, I think it's very pertinent living the sanctified life 
And I know that was one of the words that you had in your study on Sunday mornings was sanctification, right? But I think that this, this kind of hits home as we address some of these issues. All right, Philippians 2, and I'm going to read 12 and 13. Sometimes we only read 13, or 12, but I like 13 as well. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I think often, if we're praying for God's will in our lives to understand it, who's putting those desires in our, in our thoughts and minds? God is, right? It's for his good pleasure. And guess what? We get to capitalize and enjoy that pleasure as well, I believe. But it also says, work out your own salvation. That's really seeing your sanctification, your Christian life. It's not, do I believe in my works or getting me to heaven? It means that as a result of being a Christian, I am working through my sanctification, some of the gray areas even, in this way that's going to honor the Lord. And I do so with fear and trembling. Because we don't always have those answers. But you know what? We can have confidence in what Christ is giving us. If we have the Holy Spirit directing our lives, we're praying in accordance with that. We are have that fear and trembling. But we also have confidence that he's going to direct our lives. And that's a big one for us as believers, especially in those gray areas. Does that make sense? All right, I need to wrap up here. We're getting close to the end. Will it further the cause of evangelism? And I'm just going to read these next couple, all right? 1 Corinthians 10, verses 32 and 33. Give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. That's a key one. So I'll go back and use a current example here. If I post things out on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, ask yourself, is my comments, would it be representative of what I would want Christ to be a representative of Christ? And if somebody read my post, would it draw them closer to say, I want to be like him, I want to, you know, a disciple, so to speak? Or would it say, oof, I don't want anything to do with that person? Our speech, our writings are there forever. In, in today's world. And so I just think, think about the things that we say, our actions, our doings, especially in this day and age of social media. Will it further the cause of evangelism? And sometimes it's okay to be neutral. I think those things, everything in life isn't controversial. Um, if you debate whether Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan is the better uh, pro athlete, you know, ah, I don't think that's going to deter somebody too much. But sometimes our thoughts and our actions, you have to ask yourself, would I want to follow that person? <laughs> or are they so dogmatic that it kind of, oof, I don't see anything in Christ about that. All right, will it violate my conscience? But he who doubts, this is Romans fourteen twenty three. but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith for whatever uh, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Let me also read 1 Corinthians 10, verses 25 through 29. This is a section that we started with, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 10. 
And it says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for the conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its goodness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the Father. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? I talked about that one already. But will it violate my conscience? Um, Again, Ephesians 5, 8, and 10 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So, any comments on will it violate my conscience? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. I, I wrote down, this is a good statement from, from MacArthur, and I, I really like this. Let me read the, the rule of thumb. He says, when in doubt, don't. We all agree. If you can't do this by faith, you should not do it. And you should not cause a weaker brother to stumble. Does that make sense? Pretty simple. If in doubt, don't. If you're not sure, hmm, probably not. <laughs> if you can't do it in a good conscience, there's probably other things you can do. So, Yeah, it, it could. It could. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, last question, and then we'll close and go to prayer time here. Will it bring glory to God? That's the exaltation. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. It's a good way to end that question. So hopefully this has given you just a few helps. If you want these notes or anything, give me a holler, and I'll be glad to post it, uh, send it out. And... Uh, Uh, A little bit different tonight, but I appreciate all the feedback that everyone's had. Um, And I think as we go through life, uh, I know we all struggle in certain areas. I oftentimes think about as a parent, have you ever said as a parent, uh, you know, and your child says, why can't I do this? Because I said no, right? Well, sometimes maybe we say no because we don't quite know what the seven questions are, if it's right or not, you know. So it's easier just to say no than to give it, analyze it sometimes. And maybe that's where we get back to when in doubt, don't. So that's the easiest way. (laughs) But hopefully you've learned something tonight and you can apply it to your lives. And uh, thank you for your attention. All right, any any other thoughts? And thank you, Matthew, for sitting through it again. I promise I won't bring this topic up for a while now. Okay. All right, well, let's...